Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Culturing. What is our tagline or who are we, sweetie? Pop Culturing is a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. I don't know how much we're going to be talking about personal growth on the show, but maybe. Who knows? Well, let's just say it's a Gen X take on our favorite movies, our favorite TV shows, and kind of... Uh, a deeper dive into the psychology of the people who made the movie and who are in the movie. So as you probably already know, uh, we're doing the 1986 version of the movie About Last Night, starring Rob Lowe, Demi Moore, uh, Elizabeth Perkins, and Jim Belushi. Um, We do another podcast called Zen Parenting, and it's safe to say that this is going to be not like that. This is kind of rated R, a lot of swear words, things like that. So Mm -hmm. if you're used to hearing this with your kids and they're younger, this probably won't be the this is probably a headphone podcast. Maybe. I mean, it's not like we're, it's not like it's that Well, if bad. I just play certain quotes, like there's just a lot Got of- Got it. You know so quotes I mean? from the movie. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, we're not really that- Crass. Uh, crass. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we are. Yeah. You know, um, this is one of my all-time favorite movies. Really? But of course. What well, do you mean, like really? One of, I mean, top 10, top 50? Uh, let's see. Because you, you have about 34 movies in your top 10. I would say it's- in- <laughs> I would say it's in my top 10. There's no way this is in your top 10. Baloney. What are you talking about? How how many movie quotes do I do we have Quite from this movie? Quite a few. How many times have I seen this movie? I could recite this whole movie to you. And maybe I should say it this way because I'm 51 years old, so there's a lot of movies I've seen. It was a very meaningful movie to me at a very important time of my life. And the movie's based in Chicago. So every place they are, you know, in this movie, Mm -hmm. I know, you know, like I know where they are. And this movie came out in 86, as you said. So we weren't really having the experiences that Danny and um, Deb Deb and Danny were having yet um, until like 1994 and on. But I completely related to their experience. I'm going to. In an effort to prove you wrong and me right. All right, let's I'm just going to go through some of our pop culturing episodes we've done so far, and you tell me... If they're in my top 10 favorite movies. Yes. Okay. Grease. No. The Hangover. Yes. Um, Fatal Attraction? No. When Harry Met Sally? No. Silence of the Lambs? No. Breakfast Club? No. Uh, Knives Out? No. Uh, Almost Famous? Mm-hmm. Maybe it might be like 11. Fast Times? No. Cocktail? No. (laughs) (laughs) Plain Strange Automobiles? No. Oh, that's in mine. I know. Goodfellas? No. Pretty in Pink? Uh Uh-uh. St. Elmo's? Maybe. Jerry Maguire? Yes. Shawshank? Yes. Dead Poets Society? No. Say Anything? Yes. Okay, so maybe it is in your top 10. Yeah, I mean... But I didn't even mention like um, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Wizard of Oz? Wizard of Oz. Uh, and I can probably come up with a bunch of other ones. Bridesmaids? Uh, maybe in the top 20. Okay. And that's the thing. It's like all these movies you and I have done together, they are favorite movies. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say, that's my point about About Last Night, is this is a movie that it means very a lot to me. And I think that um, when I see it, I remember a time of my life, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, when we talk about Gen X movies, the thing that's really interesting about a movie being rewatchable is that for those of us who are in Gen X, not only did we maybe see a movie in a theater, and maybe we didn't, maybe, I don't I don't remember if I saw about last night in the theater. I doubt it, because in 1986, I was a sophomore, junior, maybe I did. 
but then it would come out on video, right? And you could get it from the video store. And then we had like TNT and TBS and um, or the movie channel or whatever, whatever, HBO. And these movies would replay and replay and replay. So like when I lived in Chicago, sometimes I would, you know, on a Saturday, kind of maybe a little hungover, getting some food, you'd turn on TBS and about last night would be playing. Right. And so that is why our generation has seen these movies a million times. And I know that, you know, a lot of people, especially Gen Z, they have access to every movie all the time and they can stream it whenever they want. But the difference is there's so much. Right. So your generation is not watching the exact same thing all the time. We Gen X is very, you can talk to someone in Gen X and we all watch the same things. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm wondering, I'm guessing most people haven't seen this movie in a long time. Do you po- think it possibly do you think it would be helpful for me to play a little bit of the trailer just sure. to kind of Yeah. And it's a pretty bad trailer. Our daughter Cameron makes fun of the trailers from that, the eighties. From the eighties because they're so bad. They're so bad. Including this one. Whereas now, like I'm sure they put a lot more focus on the trailer, but here we go. Here's a little bit of... You know what your problem is? Your face. You're too good looking. These girls go out with you and they get nervous, man. They feel dumpy. Best thing that can happen to you, Danny, is an industrial accident. It's about men. Hi. 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 It's about women. Her big move should be coming up any moment. It was a combination hair flip with a giggle. <laughs> yes! Bravo! Bravo! It's about sex. I was pretty drunk last night. Did anything happen? No, absolutely nothing. Want to do it again? It's about strategy. You called her twice? Dan, never call abroad more than once a week. Never, ever, ever! It's about risk. I think maybe you ought to have a drawer over here. A drawer? A whole drawer? It's about friendship. I'm moving in with Danny. I'll give you two. You think that's about good? Yeah. Right. I don't think it's awful. It's I mean, it gives terrible. you kind of the essence of the movie. Yeah. Um, so let's start with this. Uh, what, if anything, do you want to share? I, you kind of already shared it. Your history of the movie. Is uh-huh. there anything that special you want to share with our audience about? Well, again, it's got all these pieces. Some of it, you know, I'll be repetitive. Obviously that it's based in Chicago and there's a lot of Chicago scenery. So we know exactly where they are. Um, there is that it's Rob Lowe and Demi Moore, which are two big actors from our generation. Um, this was in 1986, 1985 was seen almost fire. So they had just been together in that movie as Jules and Billy and they're, you know, we love Jules and Billy and St. Elmo's Fire, um, but they never do get together because Billy's a jerk. Do you think Billy Hicks from St. Elmo's would get along with Dan Martin from About Last Night? Completely two different people. Do you think they'd get along? Uh, I, you know, it's some it's something interesting that I read. And then same question between Jules and Deb. Jules and Deb, no. I don't think they'd be good for, uh, good friends. I don't think. I think again, it's like two different people. It's like Jules because it is two different people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jules and Billy are like they're right out of school, and so they're still college kids at heart. They really have. They're twenty two. They haven't had any, you know, significant enough life experiences. Well, they do by the end of the movie um, of Saint Elmo's Fire, where they start to mature. And eh. Debbie, I mean, they start to mature. Yeah, they start. I'm not saying they become Cri- mature. Crisis. Jules but- is cold in an apartment. That means everything's <laughs> got to stop. She's going to freeze to death. <laughs> 
<laughs> even though it's like fall. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she, you know, they're growing. They're 22 where in St. Elmo's Fire. Dan is 24, 24 months later. 24 months later. Right. Two years later. But a significant two years, right? Like they are like Deb. I, okay. So some memories I have about this movie that I was envious of. Okay. So I remember watching this when I was doing what they were doing when I was 24. And I remember being envious that Deb had such a high profile job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because advertising. Yeah. She was in advertising and she seemed to, and again, do I really know it was high profile, but she seemed to be doing great because my first year out of college, when I was living in Chicago, I made $16,000. I was not doing so well. And then by the time I was 24, mm, I think by the time I was 25, I finally had a normal job where I was making, I think $28,000. But first couple of years were a little rough if you want to know what I mean. And then Dan was interesting too. I think that he actually did didn't go to college. That's he didn't right. finish we learned college. That I, re- I, I noticed that last night when we watched it. Which is why he felt stuck in his job selling yeah. things to restaurants. Like he didn't have as many choices. And I was envious of, it, it's weird because I, I, I think an 80s movie trope is where you have one best friend, mm-hmm. like, and and you can count on that person no matter what. Yeah, it's just Dan and Bernie. Dan and Bernie. And Joan. Deb and, and Joan. Deb. And it's like, that's your person and they're there no matter what. And and I think that I definitely had best friends, but it was like a group. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you kind of, it's not that you just wanted one person, but there was this significance of they could treat each other whatever way they wanted and they'd always go back to each other. Right. You know what I mean? It seemed like, um, you know, more sibling-ish. Yeah. Um, and I... You know, and and a lot of it, I guess I was experiencing like, you know, we were doing um, Chicago. What was it called? The where you'd play baseball and football and stuff. Chicago intramurals. Yeah. Yeah. What was it called? Something league. Um, Chicago. We did flag football. We did softball. I know, but there was a name for it where you would join Chicago, blah, blah, blah. Chicago Social Club. That was it. Chicago Social Club. Thank you. So we were doing those things and, and, you know, you would, everyone would come out for it and you would have a bar sponsor you and you'd go to the bar afterwards. So some of it we were experiencing alongside them, but sort obviously. Of, but you were a sophomore in high school and when this came out. I, but I'm talking about when I was watching Got it. You, when you were watching Yeah, because okay. I was trying, when I, I mean. When this movie came out, I don't remember it being one of my favorite movies. What I remember is when I became their age or close to their age living in Chicago, it became, and it was on TV all the time, is when it became significant to me. You know what I remember what? about it? I what? remember um, Demi Moore gets naked a lot. A lot. There's a lot of sex scenes in this movie. And I thought Jim Belushi was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, totally inappropriate. Completely. Not PC. Misogynistic. Uh-huh. Some of the clips we play today are probably going to land poorly because that's the way the movies were. Body blue. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just hilarious. And I feel like we can't not include at least bits of the very opening scene where Dan and Bernie are... Do we have to? No, we don't have to, but it's really funny, but we don't have to. But I guess my question is, okay, so can we, before you do that... Can we just talk a little bit about this being a play first? Sure. Because it feels like a play. Does it? I, I, oh, yeah. I know it was a play first, but for so, I've seen movies that seem like a play, and this doesn't seem as much to me, but go ahead. Well, the, their ability to have so many locations in Chicago made a big difference. I was reading about the person who scouted all these locations, and they give that, that dude a lot of props yeah. because he got permission to be in so many places. Yeah. Um, but the opening scene feels like a play. Yeah. Um, it's a David Mamet play. Is that your stuff? No. There's, it, it keeps going. 
I heard it. Yeah. It's, my phone's right here. It's quiet. So is mine. That's weird. Huh. Um, it was a David Mamet play called Sexual Perversity in Chicago. They actually wanted to call the movie Sexual Perversity in Chicago, but a bunch of advertisers are like, we don't want to. Yeah. We don't want to run an ad called Perversity. That has perversity. Yeah, it wasn't the word sexual. It was per. I mean, obviously. But perversity was the word that... It was sexual perversity in Chicago, and they didn't like the word perversity. Yeah. So so they changed it to about last night, because there's a scene in the movie where when Rob Lowe calls... When, when Danny calls uh, Deb, he says, hey, about last night, and yeah. then that becomes a thing. Um, so, you know, that's the beginning. And then Ed Zwick is the um, director of this movie. I think it might have been the first movie he directed... He also did Glory. He did Legends of the Fall, which is one of my... That is one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. in the so, top 10. So you're five in. You I'm got five in. Five more to go. Um, he did Courage Under Fire. He did Love and Other Drugs. He did Blood Diamond, Defiance. Uh, so, you know, pretty well-known director, thoughtful director. Um, and uh, he, so I think they did a pretty good job of transferring it from a stage production to a movie. But some the beginning of the movie, I feel like, is just the two of them running lines Mm -hmm. and what they do in the movie is they just show them at different locations as if the same conversation is continuing right um so you get to see uh you know get to see them on the l get to see where else are they walking um they end up at softball they're in the bar yes they're in the bar they're on the l they are um, let's see uh yeah they're walking by the wrigley building yes they're downtown they're yeah. Um, yeah. It's just so maybe just play some of it so people get the gist of how they're communicating. So so what? So tell me what about last night? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Are you pulling my leg? So so tits out the here. So yeah. Yeah. Twenty couple years old. You gotta be fooling. No. Nope. You devil. What? You think she hadn't been around? Yeah. Hadn't gone the route. She knew the route, did she? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. She wrote the route. Is that all we're gonna do? Only because it does get a little bit perverse um and and again i think what you get though from the conversation and the way it's going is that danny is a listener he's an absorber and he's not as confident yeah as um bernie is uh jim belushi's character's name is bernie and i also think bernie's full of crap well that was going to be one of my (laughs) questions how much of what comes out of bernie's mouth is true well that story is ridiculous right so is he making up all of it or some of it. No, I think he probably hooked up with a woman and they probably had some kind of experience, but then he wants to tell a grand story. Yeah. And so he's making it insane. Yeah. But that's, it's a big character development opening because you realize who Bernie is right away mm-hmm. and you realize that Danny is like hanging on his every word. Yeah, he's very gullible. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so it kind of is that intro, like, you know, to jump into what the actual movie is about. It's about his first serious relationship he ever has. So you can kind of see from the very beginning that he's very naive. Right. And that he has, you know, the people that he's spending time with, either his history or just his experience with Bernie, is he doesn't really have an understanding of what a relationship is supposed to be. He has his parents, which they talk about during the movie, and then he has someone like Bernie who sees women as objects – and women to, you know, people to control have power over. And there is plenty of scenes in the movie where Bernie demonstrates this. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm like Todd. I mean, it's funny. It's my history. You know, it's an 80s movie. I. It's not that I don't laugh at it, but it is always interesting to watch 80s movies in 2023 because they're really inappropriate. <laughs> well, and usually when we do pop culturing, I have to pull up the awards for all the movies that we do on pop culturing. Well, there's no awards as far as I could tell. 
for this. Oh, do you mean an award for About Last Night? Yes. Uh, there's no awards, but it was considered like there's a bunch of... Th- First of all, the thing I pointed out to you last night is Roger, Roger Ebert, Ebert gave, gave it four, four stars. Four. It's yeah. crazy. So um, this movie is considered to be Demi Moore's second most important movie. Do you mm. know what her first most important Ghost. movie was? Yes. I just, it's just because I read the same thing you read. Um, it's the 10th highest grossing R-rated movie of 1986, 26th highest grossing movie of 1986 overall. Now, I don't know if we'd call that great, but for that year, it was pretty good. Yeah, I feel like um, out of all the movies we've done, I feel like this one is more for you and I. Now, some people I know love this movie, but I think it's probably one of the least recognizable movies that we've done on pop culture. Do culturing. you think so? I do. I think it was an important movie to you and I. Okay. But I think a lot of people, and that's fine. Like sometimes we do one for the audience and sometimes we do the one for us. And these are, this is one that we're going to do for us. And anybody who loves this movie as much as we do, I hopefully, hopefully you enjoy. I actually pulled up um, the pod, the pop culturing podcasts that we've done that have been the most successful. Are you interested? I, I am. Tell me. Well, the, the one that has been listened to the most was not a movie at all. It was, it was the, Sex in the City, wasn't no, it? No, it was the five best movies about teens. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's got... So just so everybody knows, we get about 13,000 listens on Zen Parenting. For each episode. For each episode. And um, though, so the our top show on pop culture we've ever done has 958 listens. So we get so, significantly less <laughs> listeners to <laughs> pop culture. And that's fine. Yeah, this pop culture is for you and I. What's interesting, so um, the second one is Midnight Mass, which oh, is crazy. It's the best. I know, but I'm just surprised. People loved Midnight Mass. We love and then the next one is Almost Famous. So Almost yes. Famous drew the most. You want to yes. know what was the worst? Oh, uh, gosh. I'm going to remove the... I know, Parenthood. Uh, no, Parenthood did well. Well, okay. it's, 30, it's, th- it's in 30th place. Okay. I'm going to remove the last two we've done, which is Grease and the Hangover, because it's brand new. new. Yeah. Uh, parental Guidance. Yeah, that was totally for us. I love it. The only but then reason- the other one is A Star is Born, which is an unbelievable movie. Yeah. And I'm shocked not more people... I think the it. reason we had fun with parental guidance is that was during COVID and our girls did that podcast with us. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, they so we were like, let's just do it. Um, but it's not, that's not a remarkable movie either. That was just kind of like a... You know what You know what comes right after Shawshank, sweetie? What? Tiger King. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. That was COVID. That's COVID. We were doing a lot of pop culturing during COVID. Yes. We were all very, uh, very bored. But I think the the what I remember about last night is that it was well-respected for who directed it, who wrote it, again, David Mamet, how it was acted, you know, how it was moved from stage to screen. And it was just important to our generation. Yeah. You're right. There's been, first of all, it was remade. Mm-hmm. So in 2014, I think it was, it was remade. Um, hold on. Let me make sure. Yeah, 2014, um, it was released 28 years after the, you know, 1986 version. Obviously, it had Kevin Hart, Michael Ely, Regina King, and Joy Bryant. And I read something that there's a scene where um, Michael Ely and Joy Bryant are, you know, they're they're Deb and Danny, and they're watching the real about last yeah, night. on the TV <laughs> is the real about last night, which is pretty cool. So, you know, it obviously, it has enough uh, I'm going to use the word juice. It has enough juice that they felt like they wanted to make it again. I can't believe you just used the word juice. I know. I don't like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about um, heat. Yes. <laughs> Sweetie, the action is the juice. The action is the juice. So in the past, we've kind of gone through the movie. I don't know. Do we need to like go through the movie? You think like greatest yes. spots of the movie? Yes. I right. think we need to talk through the movie. And as we talk through it, we talk about the th- either the quotes or the people or the things or the most. That's totally fine. Just so you know, I have a few different 
categories that I created. Okay, let's hear it. Best scene, questions I have, quotes. I have a uh, trivia game and for you. And some takes um, and casting and trivia. I have a trivia game. Okay. But so I feel like we should. What can we use the the going through the movie and then you add that in? Sure. Okay. So the opening scene is exactly what you just played. It's yep. just um, Bernie telling that story, and then you kind of get the character development of these two people, their besties. It ends with them at the softball game, and that's where you are first shown Deb and Joan and a bunch of their friends. And let's talk about their friends really yep. quick. So they're really it's really Deb and Joan. But there's two other best friends that they are with throughout the movie. And one of them, Todd, recognized last night is famous. Yeah. Megan Mullally. Megan Mullally. Ron Swanson's real life wife. Right. Or we could just say in her own right, she is, you know, Karen and Will and Grace. And she's a very famous actress herself. But she just happens to be um, married to Nick Offerman. But Megan Mullally, which, okay, again, we've seen this movie a million times. I would have never known it was her. And for those of you who are like, which one? She's the one, two things that she does that's significant. One, she's the one that walks over when they're at Mother's and does the hair flip where where Deb and Joan are making fun of her. And then she also big time hits on Danny during New Year's Eve, Eve which is still confusing, but we'll get to that in a second. So you're introduced to, you know, the girls and the guys, and then Deb is obviously interested in um, Danny because she walks over to the keg. Do you remember having a keg? Could we have a keg sitting on the baseball field? No way. That's 1986. By the time we were doing that, which was the mid-90s, there was no alcohol allowed at the softball games. I mean, you could sneak it, but it's not like you'd have a keg sitting there. Right, that anybody could right. get beer from, you right. know? So, again, th- is it where did we have the games? What was the park? Is, Mon- is it I great? have mine at Montrose. Montrose? Yeah. Okay, so uh, they all end up going, They the you know, Danny and Bernie's team wins. Um, they are playing Deb's boss's team. Yeah. Her business, right? Right. And her boss, who she's, it sounds like she's sleeping with, um, he's pissed that they lose. So he leaves and she still goes with this other team to their bar. Yeah. And the bar is called Mother Malone's, but that's a made up bar. Yes. But, and, and it's, but it's um, kind of, it, the location is supposed to be on Rush Street. Correct. Which happens to be where my parents met. Oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. And- my dad was a bartender, I think. And it's interesting because a lot of people, I think, who are in the city um, spend a lot of time on Rush Street. Todd and I used to go to Rush Street occasionally. Like, we always did Butch McGuire's and we always did, you know. I always thought of it as the older older, person. Right. Because we were there in our, you know, 20s. Yes. And that's where people in their 30s went. Yes. Like, we were, we would go down there, but it was, it would be like special occasions. Called it the Gold Coast. Exactly. And we tended to spend more time in Lakeview, uh, Lincoln Park, Wrigleyville, all of these places that tended to be more 20-somethings. Um, but we noticed last night in one of the scenes that the true Mothers, because there is a bar called Mothers in Chicago, was across the street, mm-hmm. wherever they were filming. And I, I looked it up, and it sounds like they were filming at Bootleggers. Do you remember Bootleggers? Yeah, yeah, I do. So right next door to Bootleggers was the Alumni Club. Mm. And when they're doing that scene with all the fake rain, you can see across the street hula hands. You can see the the real mothers. Um, So you kind of know where they are. So they definitely are down there. But anyway, they go to Mother Malone's, which is the meetup bar. And that is the first time that Debbie and Dan meet and hook up. Yep. Do you want me to play a little part of that? Sure. Uh, Let's see. No, uh, we're walking in backwards. I'm Debbie. Hi, Dan. 
This is Joan, my roommate. She specializes in unsolicited attacks. Deb, we're going to Irving's, right? It's a four o'clock dive for us kamikaze pilots. Right, I've been bombed there a couple times myself. <laughs> Quit while you're ahead, okay? Deb? So here comes his big line. So. So. So I, I couldn't help noticing you and noticing you noticing me. Right, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> so here's my deal. Dan Martin, played by Rob Lowe, uh -huh. is really leaning on his looks. Oh, yeah. Because that's a bad opening line. And whenever I think of movie characters that have the best opening line. I can't think of anybody other than Ryan Gosling from Love Actually. What does he say? I don't really- Wait, wait, Love Actually? Or what's what's the name of the movie where- You mean he, crazy? Crazy Stupid Love? Stupid Love, Thank yeah. you. He, it's not that, it's not the opening line. It's just the his confidence mm -hmm. and the way he's dressed. Like the whole thing is planned out. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other movie characters I'm not thinking of. But I feel like Dan Martin's got to do better than this. But well, his again, looks carry him through. They do. And again, remember that this is written perfectly. Okay. So you are, that's a strong word. It's written really well. Yes. And that that opening line demonstrates, again, his immaturity, how he does rely on his looks. And, you know, she has the best comeback, which is there's a clock over your head. Yeah. And she was just messing with him. And she was messing with him because he was like, oh, and then he like thinks she's really he really thinks there's a clock over his head and that obviously is there that breaks the ice but you're it is demonstrating it, you're going to see the biggest arc from Danny in yes, this movie for sure you know he's like a kid is there any arc for Deb has Absolutely. a little bit of an arc do Joan and yes. Bernie have it well I think so. I mean, it's I kind of shoved in at the end. I know that Joan has an arc in that there is a recognition that she hasn't been a great friend. I think Bernie also just and again, we're cutting to the chase to the very end. But Bernie just telling him to go chase her on yeah. the bike, I think, is him saying, I yes. got it. Yeah. I don't know if it's a full arc, but they obviously get the gist. Um, but let's talk about Elizabeth Perkins for a second. Joan. Joan so because that's our introduction to Joan as well. And do you remember the way you felt about Joan when you watched this, like, weren't you like, wow, she is so mean. Yeah, she's just a, uh, she's a grumple still skin. And she's such an interesting character. First of all, this is Elizabeth Perkins' first movie. Um, and she was saying, you probably read the same trivia, but that when she got the part, she and Demi Moore sat down to talk about it and they realized they had nothing in common. Mm -hmm. Like Demi Moore had only done movies. Elizabeth Perkins had only done theater. But then by the time they started filming, they were like totally besties. But when they first met, they were like, wow, we have had totally different experiences. Um, but she... Um, she was perfect for this, but I always have had a hard time. Like when I saw Big, you know, she was in Big, and I was like, it, she, it reminds me of Joan, yeah, a little bit, you know, until she kind of softens up, yeah, and she lets her hair down, yeah, she's a little tougher in the beginning of Big, yeah, exactly. But I just remember being like, wow, she's really for someone like me who in my twenties was so concerned, and still, I guess, in many ways, so concerned about what everybody thought about me, and being like, is everybody okay? She was a she was a force of nature. Yeah. She's just grumpy and mean and direct. And yeah, I think she's like, I don't know. She's, a caricature, she's, maybe? She, she plays Joan beautifully. Like, yes. it's not about Elizabeth Perkins. It's about this character is written in a way where you're not supposed to like her. Well, and interestingly, though, they don't let you 
hate her because she is a school teacher of yeah. very little kids. Yeah. And so she has like, you know, the scene that's coming up soon is where she's talking to Deb on the payphone, again, 80s. Yeah. And there's a little girl trying to get her attention from the classroom. And, you know, Joan keeps saying, hold on, hold on. And then the girl pees her pants. Um, that is so Joan's fault. Yeah. Like, you have to listen to little children when they're trying to get you t- your attention. But she handles it beautifully. Um, so they don't let you dislike her too much. Like, even the, well, well, I won't cut to the chase. So the so the first scene, they're, Deb and Danny obviously decide to sleep together. He does the headphone trick, mm-hmm. which yeah. it's cut not to, a trick at all. <laughs> yeah, double headphone deal. And it's funny, once again, about Crazy Stupid Love, um, I feel like this is this headphone thing uh-huh. is a poor man's version of what Gosling does with the dirty dancing thing. Yeah, the dirty mm-hmm. dancing thing. And um, for those of you guys who haven't seen that, they I should probably pull up that clip. I don't know if I can, but he's he's like, you couldn't handle my big move, right? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, totally. And she's it's like, a great no, no, scene. what's your big move? And he's like, you couldn't handle it. And it's the whole dirty dancing thing. And uh, she like runs up, and he picks her up and then kisses her and that's that's a much more solid move than the double headphone trick that Dan Martin's got cooking. Well, I don't know if they could do that in his Lincoln Park apartment. Probably not. I don't think there's that much space. And, you know, but it was so stupid. I remember at the time, because he like plugs the earphones in, they put them on and they have them on for like two seconds. Yeah. There's not really anything not much to happening. it. Just play the music into yeah. the room. Like that wouldn't have been helpful. So they hook up and then uh, she walks She walks out. home. Which is the old a, walk of shame, the old walk of shame, and it's kind of funny, very awkward, very awkward. And she goes home, and then again, here's a scene where you kind of like Joan because she she comes in, and Joan is like under a blanket. Hold on, on. Qu- quick uh, conversation okay. between Dan and Deb, okay, for the walk of shame. You don't have to run right off. Uh, uh, yes, um, I I do. It, it's really it's it, it's been a slice of heaven. Uh, all right, I I just have to go home. It, it's a it's a habit of mine. And ow. oh, uh, yeah, I can turn on a light. No, 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 that's all right. Uh, uh, well, bye. <laughs> uh, bye. Bye. Listen, I could give you a ride home. No, no, thanks. Really? Hi. No thanks. Thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And then here is the best line. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Okay, so a few things. Slice of heaven is a crazy thing to say. Um, <laughs> the other thing is, it's a habit of mine. Let's, when we rewatch this, I was like, what does she mean? Like, maybe I she, hook up and yeah, then leave maybe early? Maybe that's it, yeah. And what time do you think it was? We discussed this three in the morning. Well, I think that there's some continuity issues because okay. I think when she gets home to her roommate, Joan... It sure seems like it's not middle of the night. It's the morning. So So I think it's like a 6 a.m. I think she's getting out of Dodge about 6 a.m. Can I give you some specificity that you might be surprised about, but you may have looked up the same thing. So Dan lives in Lincoln Park. Yeah. We know that. Deb and Joan live at 1000 West Diversity. Oh, wow. Where is that? Uh, Well, 800 is Halstead and 1000 is Sheffield. Okay. So Sheffield and diversity. Yes. Okay. So that, you know, I mean, Lakeview. Yeah. So they're definitely not that far apart. So if she jumped into a cab. How did you find out where Devin and Joan I looked up locations of the movie. Wow. Very good. Yeah. Um, So they, so she goes home, she finds Joan on the couch with a blanket over her. And then you realize what a good buddy Joan is because for as harsh as she can be to other people, she's like, did you have a good time? They have a conversation. And then you realize that Joan has her own guy 
in the in the bedroom. And didn't you say one of your friends thought it was Bernie or yeah, something? Yeah, Charlie, who loves this movie, um, I remember him asking me, do you think that's Bernie in bed in the bedroom and maybe Joan and Bernie hooked up? But we're pretty sure it's not. No, because then they would have had that to communicate about because they have other scenes, you know, later in the movie. So then, you know, cut to the chase, Danny ends up calling Deb at work. And I guess my question is, how did he get that number? No, I think that's part of the gig. Like they, like this, somehow there's some phone circuitry thing where he picked up and she was on the line or something. It's some weird what? 80s phone thing. No. I'm, I'm telling you. He says to Bernie, she picked up at the same time, but he had called a number. Right? Um, well, I'm actually looking at it right now. Let's see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, French sure, fries. Sure, they're sure. they're yeah, fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, sure. No, anything you want for a deal. They're talking to Fabio. So he just hung up the phone. Okay. I'm going to share this. And he just picked it up. Okay, you don't have to share the screen. Oh, yeah. So he... Hello? Yeah. He called her and then she Hello? just picked up before... Hello? Yeah, okay. So how'd he get her direct line? Like, it's one thing. He obviously knows where they, she works they because... They exchange numbers somehow. Okay. We just didn't see it. Okay. They must have. Sometimes we have to just assume that. Um, So then they go out on a date, and I think Bernie's there, right? Yeah, and and Rob Lowe's like, no, don't stay because I want to hook up again, and the faster you get out of here, the better. And is that where he tells her she's a good-looking woman? Oh, yeah, that is a funny scene. Let's see if we can find that. Hold on a second. (laughs) Bernie. This is uh, Debbie. This is Bernie. Hi. Hi. You know, you're a very attractive woman. Has anybody ever tell you that before? Bernie. Bernie. Wait, listen to the song in the back. What is it? It's the song that's playing when they hooked up uh, at Danny's place. Uh. Joan. Bernie. Joan, that's a nice name. So sit down. uh, Maybe they didn't want to buy another song. (laughs) They must have. It's quite. That's interesting. Yeah. So I'm going to keep saying cut two because it reminds me of. Whatchamacallit, with Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston, the movie that we keep watching. Over oh, Wonderless? Yeah. Cut yeah. two. Cut two. No, don't cut two. Yeah. Um, we'll never do that movie, will we? That's no, such a well, good movie. Nobody will listen to that podcast. Everybody should go watch Wonderlust, really but funny. watch it 12 times, because yeah. that's um, when it gets funny. And then they hook up again. They hook up again. And then um, right after that... So I just want to own something. Oh, and- wait. It's in that hookup that they then have their day together. Yeah, after that. But before we get there, I just want to own something. This is an admission that I have. Oh. So in 1986, I guess I was a freshman in high school, or maybe in eighth grade, depending on when it came out. Are you going to share very personal information right now? I'm not. Okay. And they're going to talk about, he's asking her if she had an orgasm or not. Right. Like, did you? And they kind of go on and And on about it. And he said it's hard to tell. I didn't have any idea what they're talking about. Really? Yes. Interesting. I think if I would have watched this a year from the time this movie came out, I would have known. But I was still like blissfully ignorant on the inner workings of orgasms. Young sweetie. Yes. He was like, huh. Yeah. Wonder what this discussion is about. Yeah, I'm like, I don't understand this (laughs) scene. Um, so yeah, so they hook up and then they decide to take the day off work. Okay. So here's my other hot take. Okay. (laughs) It's too early to be taking days off of work with somebody that you've had one date with and hooked up twice. No way of knowing where we're going. Like that's like months down. You want, you want me to play that song just so you can. I don't care. 
Yeah. So this is a great montage. They're at Wrigley Field. They're going to see the Cubs. They're going to eat. They're having fun. They're at the art museum. They're at the museum. Um, yeah, it's too early in a relationship to be taking a full day off of work. Sweetie, you don't get to tell Deb and Danny what to do. They f- they, they're they falling for each they other. They sure are. And that's a Sheena Easton song. We had a lot of Sheena Easton in the 80s. Yes, we did. Because um, I think she actually has two songs in this movie. And then she also we also have a good Bob Seger song. Yep. Um, but anyway, so they both take the day off work and uh, Deb's boss, mm-hmm. recognize, Steve, who she had been sleeping with, recognizes that she hasn't been there. And then Fabio, who is the boss of Danny and Bernie, realizes he's not there. So they kind of like, it's a big deal yeah. that they're not at work. They end the date at The Swallow, which is the the joint. The, he's like yeah, a little restaurant, a little diner. So it's a diner that, that Danny has been selling restaurant supplies to. And he's obviously a diner that nobody's ever going to because it's empty. But... That's the first time Danny shares with Deb that he wishes he could open his own restaurant. Mm-hmm. So you now know that he has some adult mature desires. Yes. Right? Right. And so then where do we go? Uh, then there's that interesting um, communication between Joan and Deb because Deb blows off Joan. Right. They're supposed to meet each other at the spa or something like that. Yeah, so basically she gets home and that is where Joan is telling her, you're basically blowing me off. We're good friends. Let's not do that to each other. She's looking at the art projects and Todd pointed out that the first art project that uh, Joan is looking at says Todd A. That's right. So you must have noticed that when you were very, when you were also a freshman. You didn't know orgasms, but you knew that Todd A. No, I knew that the art project. Um, So. I didn't. Oh, this is where. Crap. You know, I bet in high school you're one of those girls that just sort of dropped your friends like a hot potato whenever some guy would call. Who didn't? I didn't. Of course, I didn't have a whole lot of dates anyway. So I feel like if we're just going to look at this in a vacuum, I feel like Joan is a better person in this moment than Deb. Well, I think Joan is being honest. Call your friend and say, hey, man, I'm not going to be there instead of just let your friend hang out at the spa by herself yeah. if there was a date planned. Yeah. At least give her a call, leave a message, put a note. You know, again, we didn't have, we were, we kind of lived by voicemail at the time, but no, 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 they didn't have that then. No They voicemail. just had answering machines. This is 1986. Right. We had voicemail in the 90s. So they, she could have just left a message on the answer machine, left a note at home, say, I'm going to be gone, whatever yeah. it may be. But that's a great scene because they have that discussion. And then it, the, the breakup of the moment, the humor that's brought in as you realize that Joan has another guy in yeah. her bedroom. And when he comes out and he says, what's for breakfast? And she says, egg McMuffin, Broadway and Belmont, which as Todd and I both know, that's where I used to live. It was it. And we always said Belmont and Broadway, by the way. She says Broadway and Belmont, but that's not what we said. I think you can say it either way. I know, but you say the big street first, don't you think? Well, I think they're both big streets. Broadway's a big north-south street and it Belmont's is. a big east-west street. But I think of Belmont because it's its, it's, its own exit. Anyway. Belmont and Broadway, there was no McDonald's there. So so there are a bunch of liars. <laughs> so there are a bunch of liars. So we literally lived at that corner and there was nothing there. Yeah. Um, so, but that's a funny moment of like, you know, it breaks it up a little bit where you realize she hooked up too. Yep. Um, so then, keep going. So then Dan goes back to work and uh-huh. there's a big deal and he missed it. So uh-huh. his boss, who's mm-hmm. horrible, I don't know the name of the actor, but I can look it up. We just call him Fabio. Uh, George Desenzo is the actor's name. He uh-huh. played Mr. Favio, who was also the dad in Back to the Future. Oh, 
as it turns out. Do you think if we're to steal from Bill Simmons and the Rewatchables right now, if we were to say the overacting award might go to Fabio? I don't know. I like, I, I think he's, he's dialing it up, but it's not to the point where it's annoying. Really? Yeah. You don't think so? No. Okay. Keep going. Um, so as far as next scene after that, or do you want me to play something well, from that scene? I think, no, no, I don't, I don't care. So this is another example. Scene. So now they're going on another date and, uh, Dan is waiting for Deb, and Joan is there eating her food. <laughs> They're going to go to a movie. Dan. Yeah. How'd it go at work today? I caught hell. Oh, God, another smoker. Look what you mind. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, you're eating. I know what you mean. My boss is mad at me, too. Oh, I bet he was. There. I just added another seven minutes to your life. It's okay. I don't expect to thank you. Joan is just mean. <laughs> she's just mean. She Well, so I wouldn't say she's overacting, but they definitely take her up a notch. She might be better for theater than for a movie because there's not a lot of people like this. And then they, you know, decide they're going to this movie. They ask Joan if she wants to go. She's like, sure. Yeah. Just yeah, give she's me like, a minute. Sure, whatever. Um, but she doesn't go with them. So, but about that scene, there's a few things. There's, first of all, Joan saying, oh, I bet he was because she knows that Deb and Steve used to sleep together, meaning Deb's boss. And then do the, Joan, Joan says, Bernie, wait, Bernie says, Joan says. That's later on. Bernie I says, know. Joan says, used to sleep with him. Right. It's later on. Yeah. But like, there's obviously conversation between them about who used to sleep with who. Um, so then they go to a movie, but that's when they decide to live together. Well, not quite, but real quick. So the next day, cut two. Cut the next two. day, <laughs> Rob Lowe, uh, Danny, and Bernie are on the oh, yeah. on the L. Right. And Bernie's starting to feel threatened. Yes, so. Bernie's starting to feel like his best oh, friend's leaving. Seen a lot of her, huh? How many times did you call her this week? Twice. Twice? <laughs> you called her twice? Dan, never call abroad more than once a week. Never, ever, ever. And it just got me thinking about the different rules that guys have and how to screw up relationships. This is very reminiscent of Swingers, which we did do Swingers. Right, right. See, baby, it's not that hard. It's baby. Hey, Winnie. Three went up. So how long do I wait to call? A day. Tomorrow. Mm-mm. Tomorrow, then a day. Yeah. So two days. Yeah, I guess you could call it that Definitely. two days. Yeah, two days is like industry stand. No, I used to wait two days to call anybody, but now it's like everyone in town waits two days. So I think three days is kind of money. What do you think? Yeah, well, but, but two's enough not to look anxious. Yeah, yeah, two's enough not to look anxious, but I think three days is kind of money. Yeah, you know, but you know why? Maybe I'll wait three weeks. How's that? And tell her I was cleaning out my wallet and I just happened to run into her number. <laughs> then ask her where you met her. Yeah, I'll ask her where I met her. I don't remember. What does she look like? And then I'll ask if we fucked. Is that, would that be tea? Would that be the money? Uh-huh, funny. You know what? Ha ha ha, Mike. <laughs> Laugh all you want. But if you call too soon, you might scare off a nice baby who's ready to party. Ready well, to how party. long are you guys going to wait to call your babies? Six, Six days. days. <laughs> such a good... <laughs> oh, it's such good writing. Oh, such good acting, the way oh, they do it. So, so, so yeah, and I think they talk about this in 40-Year-Old Virgin, too. Do they? What do they say? There is, like, a discussion about when to call Trish. Remember? Uh, I don't remember. And there's a whole thing about, you know, I feel like they they say two weeks. Yeah. Like when they're sitting around playing. No, it, it must it must be later because he's already met Trish. Yeah. But they're just talking about they're telling Steve Carell to wait to yeah. call her and he finally just decides to call her anyway. Yeah. So dumb rules. They're so stupid. Guys, 
dumb rules, dumb rules. guys write, write, write for themselves and other guys. I know. It's such, it's so stupid. Um, but anyway, they end up, you know, like you said, you're starting to see that Bernie is, is feeling a little scared, um, is starting to be a bit critical of this relationship. And um, eventually, uh, am I going too fast if I no, say no, that? No, no, you're fine. Keep going. So then we get to the scene where he asks her to move in. And again, Todd and I have a lot of quotes from this movie, but this is definitely um, one of them. Um, which, uh, you should have a drawer. Oh, the drawer thing. Well, first of all, as I'm finding that scene, I'll say that um, they have the beanbag sex. Oh, yeah. Oh, gonna, yeah, yeah, We're yeah. going to talk about the beanbag in a second. But. So wait a second. Okay, I don't want to skip over this. I, I went too fast. So basically, he Bernie tells him to wait to call. Like, you shouldn't be calling so fast. So... So Danny does not call her. And then they're at Kelly's on Webster, which mm. is one of the bars we used to go to all the time. Again, location, right? They're at Kelly's on Webster and she is there and Dan sees her and then she kind of blows him off, kind of like he's like, hey, and she's like, hi. Um, and because he hasn't been calling her and then Debbie does a really vulnerable thing. She actually tries to go hook up with her boss again, and that doesn't work out. So she does a really vulnerable thing and goes to his apartment. And that scene is really interesting because she knocks on the door. He answers the door, and she's kind of like, I just wanted to make sure. What does she say? I just want to make sure you're okay, or I she's want you to know that I'm okay. She's making something up because she wants to be with them, and she wants. So right. she's just making something up, and it's coming off horribly, and then they go inside. and. But they- see, she's doing the vulnerable thing, he's coming off horribly. Yeah. He says, oh, are you okay? For sure. Like, instead of saying, like, wow, I'm so glad you came over, or I wanted to see you too. Now, he does pull it together and say, I missed you. You know what he's doing? He's pulling a Danny from Greece. That that opening scene where he, like, is excited, and then he realizes his buddies are watching, so he's got to play it cool. cool. Yeah, Yeah, he totally pulled a Danny Zuko. So then that, you're right. Then they have the beanbag sex in The shower sex and the beanbag sex. Right, where he says... He he almost says I love you, almost, and then he says I, I love, love making love to you. you. Um, and I re- I think my sister and my mom went to see this movie together, together they and they always talk about the shower scene, like <laughs> how embarrassed they yeah, were. Yeah, it's just not the best movie you want to see with your parents. Yeah, like for example, we watch a lot of our favorite Gen X movies with our girls, and this one is no. I mean, only because there's so much sex, yeah. and it's really, um, really blatant. How mm-hmm. do I say? What's the word? It's very up close, right? <laughs> Which is, you know, when you're watching it by yourself or with a partner, that's no problem. But it's like with your kids, there's just kind of a lot. So um, to your point, I don't, I can understand. Your sister still brings that up. So it's obviously, I wouldn't say it's a scar, but an embarrassment. So now it's time for... Debbie, I've been thinking. For the last two months, you've been running around town with your undies in a a paper bag. And I, I think maybe you ought to have a drawer over here. A drawer? A whole drawer? I don't know, Dan. That's a pretty big step. I think you better think about this. Take the drawer. Take Are you the sh- drawer. <laughs> Take the drawer. How much time do you think Dan spent making that decision before he said it? it? Two seconds. It's a pretty big decision. Again, it's, you know, it's maturity level. I think he was sitting there looking at her. They, you know, they had just been together. He's like, you know, you should have a drawer. Yeah. And, and... She says later on, again, I don't want to get too far, but when she and um, Joan are having a conversation, she's like, we just never talked about it. Mm-hmm. We just kind of jumped in and we never talked about it. But this gets us into the next montage where after Deb tells Joan, 
I'm going to move in with Danny, which is awful. The first thing I said there is I used to live with um, three girlfriends from college for like three or four years post-college. And I would have never just been like, I'm moving out. Yeah. Like that would have totally screwed them over. Like you can really only afford what you can afford. So uh, I'm fine with this pace. I just want to let you know we're 47 minutes into the podcast and 37 minutes into the movie. Don't worry about it. We'll, okay. we'll ju- you're too time concerned because we're going to jump over a lot. Okay. Because there's a lot of scenes we don't care about. Okay. So basically they move in together. Another montage of... Um, moving in. Yes. Yep. And what is the movie? It's not so far so good. Oh, this one. This one. Yes. And we just see how a bachelor lives, basically. Exactly. So she's like throwing away the beanbag. She's cleaning the place up, you know, and he, you know, it's, if you've seen the movie a lot, you kind of watch for Danny's, how he's responding to her being there, because I think he's having the recognition of, whoa, what did I do? Um, And... But it's also kind of lovely. You know, he puts up her own hook so she can hang her robe. And, you know, he it, it, it's good and it's also kind of uncomfortable. Sure. So then they, let's see, I'm trying to think of the net. We can like jump to the next big thing. Um, uh, the next big Would it be Thanksgiving? Um, yeah, we could do that. Um, she's tr- She realized she doesn't know him very well. Yes. So she starts snooping through all his stuff. Yes. Um, and then she's like, you know, I want to be a couple. So then they start going to the grocery store together and doing all Sandwich that stuff. night. Sandwich night. And then is the long sex scene with this song. Oh, yes. And you can keep your winding roads. She's living in... So let's just say, as a 13-year-old boy, I was a big fan of this scene. <laughs> That's as much as it's I It's a little like. like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, where people know exactly the Phoebe Kate scene. Yes. I think a lot of people know exactly this scene. Yes. The living inside my heart scene. Okay. Oh, and then they... Um, he says he loves her, right? Or no, she says she it first. She says it first. And then he says it. And I think they're both like, oh, my God. Because it, it, in that scene, after she says it, you know, they're in the uh, kitchen. They're naked in the kitchen. And she's crying. Yeah. You know, like, which is lovely because I think she's telling the truth. But I also I also think they're scared to death. Right. Um, and no judgment. But no. they're 24. Well, but they can be in love. I know. It's I just, mean, yeah, it's just they're. People are in love way before then. Truth. Truth. It's. It's more when it gets more serious. Sounds like I was. Like, I didn't understand. Hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. Just it, it took Todd a while to like. How do I want to say this? Okay, so go ahead, sweetie. <laughs> no, it's okay. So it is, just took Todd a while to be like a relationship is an important thing in my life. Yeah, because my first of all, sweetie, I said I loved you first. I've said that. I on know, the but we were like thirty. Yeah, and, like, I, and I was hammered. That's what I call romantic. Todd was very much my, um, we didn't have these experiences that Debbie and Danny did by any means. It's not like it's exactly the same, but he was kind of my version of this. If Dan had his dad living underneath (laughs) him in the apartment below, then it would be more like our story. Like put it this way. I would watch this movie when I was 24 and wish that you would chase me on my bike at the end, but you never did. No, I always had to like keep finding you and eventually I rode my bike away, but we didn't. Then next time we met, we didn't have bikes. And we talked about that whole story on Alexander Solomon's podcast. We so did. if you want to hear the Todd Cathy courtship <laughs> story, uh, tune into hers. It's or, long. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so so eventually they get, they're kind of playing house. Let's just say that most of the scenes, you know, after the living inside my heart scene, it's mostly about how they're reckoning with being in love and, yeah. and feeling like they don't know who to be yep. in this relationship, losing themselves a bit. And so we have the thanks 
Thanksgiving scene, which is a great scene for a lot of reasons. Basically, I will, I'd like to start with the fact that she's trying to help him. He's pissed about things at work. We don't need to go through the details. And she is going to bed the night before um, Thanksgiving, and he doesn't get in until 4 in the morning. Hold on. This is my favorite uh, part of okay. the film. My ass cooking the seven-course meal for him. I did all the hard stuff. <laughs> you did not. I did, too. Danny, please, you did not. I did, too. I, I made the mashed potatoes. I made the stuffing. I did the salad. You cooked the turkey. <laughs> Son of a bitch. She's so mad. So, so Todd and I say, he'll say that to me a lot. Like, if we're talking about things that we did and he's being a smart ass, he'll be like, I did all the hard stuff. That's right. Um, so he, and he's totally hungover because he got in at four in the morning. Yeah. And he invites Bernie. Obviously, Deb invites Joan. And they have the realization that they don't, that things are not working out very well. Um, and she, Demi Moore basically says, you know, I feel I've become my mother, yeah. you know, which is scary to her because she didn't realize how fast it was going to domesticate. Mm -hmm. um, so then. Um, well, then they have some more fights, yes. some more arguments. The toilet, not the floor. Fine. I'll work on my dunk shot. But what I'm trying to say to you is you don't need a lot of this shit. I think you look pretty the way you are. No. You. You look great just the way you are. Some of us have to work at it. Why do you wear all this stuff? How many times have we said that? that um, quote? I say that to Todd all the time because Todd is Including very good podcast, looking. Because, no, it's not that. No. It's just I, and I know this is a double standard, and I just want to know that I'm wrong for saying this. But if I show up on the podcast, which we record on video with a bedhead, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, there's total, there's gender norms that are so yes, different. Yes. But Todd, and again, we're older now, but Todd has always been like, he doesn't have to do anything to look good. He's one of those guys. He's got a lot of hair. And I judge skin. that you don't have to do anything to look good either, You sweetie. judge, but that's not true. I mean, like there is a, you just like, you know, you look great. I love that. You look great the way you are. Some of us have to work at it. Like, I don't know how many times we have said that to each other. Um, there's like, like literally yesterday, Todd, we woke up. I like my hair was in a ponytail on the top of my head. I hadn't even like I maybe had brushed my teeth. You're like, let's do a quick video yeah. about our new podcast. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, and he will. He uh, he still doesn't understand that I can't go again. I know everybody will fight me on this. Of course, you can go out in the world any way you want. It's just not. I don't feel as comfortable doing that. And it's not like I wear a ton of makeup or do a lot, but I have to do a little. Mm -hmm. And Todd doesn't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. And so it's just one of those scenes where he... It's very uh, gender... And he's all, he's saying that because he's jealous of Steve. He's just trying to bring up a jealousy argument. Right. So you can keep going with right. that. Um, with the argument or should you... Oh, I thought next? you were going to keep no, playing no, no, the no. argument. Because no. that's when he said... So Bernie she, says, Joan says... Yeah, and then they just get into a big fight and she bails to Joan and then they come back. So, But they're, the foundation is starting to crumble. Yeah, so she leaves because yeah. she's pissed. She goes to Joan's, but she comes back. They hug. They're like, okay. But then do we go to New Year's? Uh, not quite. We got to do this one first. Okay. Virgin Mary. Let's say Virgin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a virgin is someone who has never had sex. What sex? Um, sex? Uh, sex is how men and women make babies. Are you a virgin? <laughs> no. So you have a baby? Uh, no. Men and women who don't want babies 
also have sex. What for? For about 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> it's great delivery. That's, that's Joan great. with her class. She's so great. Classic, classic scene. So eventually, they. what happens at Christmas? Uh, well, she... Uh, the boss tries to hit on Deb. That's it, the Christmas party. She refuses. Party. He ends up being mm-hmm. a nice guy in that moment after he just, dis- after. They have he- a discussion. Yeah. Because she does the, I'm in love. I want to have 10 babies with this guy. Can't you tell? And then Steve, the boss says, does he love you? And she says, I don't know. Yeah. So she cries. He hugs her. And it just so happens that Dan comes to pick her up. Mm. He sees them hugging. It's completely innocent that she's just appreciating his friendship. And Dan freaks out and tries to hit Steve. And then they cut to like this little mini montage of them being bored around each other. They're just, no, I wouldn't call it bored. I'd say they don't know what to say to each other. They're staring yeah, at each other. He's like chucking a ball at the wall and she's reading a magazine or a newspaper. And, you know, they're standing on the L platform. And and, and then they cut to the what you and I <laughs> talk about all the time is, and I, I don't know if I'll play it because it's kind of, I don't know if it'll land that well. But they're having a New Year's Eve dinner by themselves as 24-year-olds. Without their friends. Without their friends. And all their friends are, at least all, the two friends we know about or the five friends we know about is they're at the bar getting drunk, which is what they do. So let me say this. When Todd and I were attempting to date, but Todd didn't really want to date, so we just see each other occasionally... We were like 25, and the two things that scared Todd the most came from movies. Number one was the Pictionary scene in When Harry Met Sally, when like Harry's wearing suspenders and And they're drinking wine. wine. They're doing all the adults. Todd's like, I can't become that. And then the second thing he was scared of was this New Year's scene of them eating by themselves and like opening the cork and going, yay, and they weren't happy together at all. So his pop culture references demonstrated to me what he was most afraid of, which was getting older. Yes. So. I don't like getting older. Well, but now we do things like that. Right. Yay. Yay. Oh, this is great, hon. So he's lying right now. Totally. It's not great. And he doesn't want to do this. Let me get that for you. Thank you. You look very elegant in that suit. Thank you. My girlfriend picked it out. She did. And then Bernie calls drunk saying, get your ass over Sweetie, here. Sweetie, what about Picasso? Okay. Um, to you, to, to me, to me, to us, us, and to a happy new year. And I give you that line a lot. How did I do that toast? Hear the train in the background. I know. I love it. It's the L. Um, and then now they're eating the salad because she's like it. Mm-hmm. Are you pecans in the dressing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pecans. It doesn't sound. It sounds like he says because. I know he says pecans. Yeah. But so Tadal, when we're having salad, yeah. he'll say. Are the so now they're at the, the New dressing? Year's party because she's like, all right, let's go. Yeah. Well, yeah. Bernie calls, which is one of your another quote that you do all the time. Yes. Go ahead and do it. All right. Hold on. You no, know, you can say it. Oh, Danny, this is Bernie. Are you with your girl? Get your ass down to mother's now. <laughs> it's a great phone call. And he's just like, honey, can we just go? He's not saying that, but that's what he wants to say. Well, but then he hangs it up and he's like, she's like, is that Bernie? He's like, well, what's left of him? Yeah. So anyway, they decide to go to mother's because also Joan is there with her boyfriend who she thinks is like the love of her life, but we're going to find out is not. So they get there. Yeah. 
And then basically everything falls apart. Everything falls apart. The Joan's boyfriend tells her he's married. Um, you know, Danny gets so drunk and almost hooks up with one of Debbie's friends. Yep. Debbie has to help Joan. Danny is pissed that Debbie's going to help Joan. You know, Bernie's not helping at all. Um, and so they basically that is the night mm-hmm. that they break up, and it's a very sad scene. And did you did you hear that that scene was a lot of it was improvised? I did read that. Yeah, and that he. He said, I guess Demi Moore and Rob Lowe had had a relationship, a short-lived relationship at some point. And when Danny says to her, I don't love you anymore, she wasn't ready for that line and really has a moment of where she takes a deep breath. But that's the end of their relationship. Yep. And I think in the moment, Danny feels good because he Mm -hmm. wants his freedom and he has no idea how much he loves her. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that weird? Yeah. Well, no. I think that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. I think that we... The, the reason why the 20s, I think, are so hard is that negotiation between where we were and who we're becoming. Yeah. And just like you didn't want to become the suspender wearing when Harry met Sally people, there's nothing wrong with that. You just envisioned yourself. It's like everybody who's like, when I have kids, I'm never going to get a minivan. Yeah. Good luck. I if love you minivans. Have, I know. If you have more than two kids, what are you going to get? Yeah. And I know there's suburbans, there's other choices, but they're not as functional. They're yeah. not as easy. And we have this thing about, or I'm never, you know, Todd and I lived in Chicago forever and we had so many people who were like, I'm never moving to the suburbs. You know, when you live on a three flat and you have three kids, it starts to be sometimes, not for everybody, but for us became more convenient to live in a yeah. place where we could pull into a driveway. Yeah. Aging gets a bad rap. But there is a, there is, it's okay. Like, I think we just, it takes us a while to give ourselves permission to move into a new phase of life, Mm -hmm. especially when we're teenagers and 20-somethings and we think anybody above us is so freaking uncool that we don't want to go into that uncool category. Right. Um, And then she processes the grief. As, the way a normal a human way. being does, mm-hmm. and he pushes it all down. He goes and gets drunk. He hooks up with women. And he thinks he's fine, yeah. and he's not. And it turns out that even when he wants to hook up with women, he closes his eyes and he sees Deb instead Correct. of the woman that's in front of him. Correct. So, um, yeah. There's a scene where um, he is walking, and it's almost like he's stalking her, and yeah. he sees her on a date in front of the biograph. Yeah, so he decides to start stalking. It's weird. Come on, sh- Dan. You're better so- than that. So let's give a little uh, history. What happened to the Biograph Theater, Todd? Do you remember? Uh, John Dillinger was shot? Yeah. Does that sound so right? In the Biograph Theater on Lincoln Avenue in Chicago, um, which is now the Victory Gardens Theater, I believe, it was, uh, John Dillinger in 1934 was shot um, there by the FBI. So it's kind of a big, you know. On Lincoln Avenue, like, and I think the Red Lion Inn is gone now too, but there's a lot of ghost stories on oh, yeah. Lincoln Avenue that True. there's a lot of ghosts. Um, so anyway... Then we have the Tim Kazarinsky scene, which we decided was just a throw in. But that is probably the quote we say the most yes. from this movie. Right. Uh, there it comes. Listen to him all night long. Colin's too bashful to mention it, but he happens to be a whiz at card tricks. Come on, Ari, don't put me on the spot like that. <laughs> Those are exquisite earrings, man. <laughs> Where did this come from? Did you know that was up there when you left the house this evening? When you think of Tim Kazarinski, what do you think of? Um, Remember the sketch Saturday he did Night Live, with the orangutan or the <laughs> no. chimp, the chimpanzee? It was Give me a, more. It was a chimpanzee, and it was his wife, and he would talk to her like she's a human being. And the chimp, it was a real chimp. Yeah. 
would, you know, was trained to do certain things. And that's the only Tim Kazerinsky sketch I can recall. I don't remember. Like, I know when he was on, it was kind of a big time for SNL, or maybe it was big time for us because of our age. But he was a writer on this movie to bring it to screen, which I think is why he is in the movie for this second. But it's a total throw-in yeah. scene. But we always say, don't put me on the spot like that. Um, so he's not dealing with his grief. Yep. She is... And he's just getting drunk. And then... You didn't close? Is that what you're telling me? You didn't close, huh? You leave a classy chick like that just hanging? I don't know. Tits and ass, tits and ass, tits and ass, tits and ass, tits and ass. Bloody blue, bloody blue, bloody blue, bloody blue. Huh? I don't know. So don't know! (laughs) Jim Belushi is... Bernie. uh, He's such a good part of this. This movie would be average if it wasn't for Jim Belushi. And by the way, he is not talking about Deb in that scene. He is talking about the fact that there is a girl that he hooked up with that he didn't end up hooking up with. Yeah. And it just annoyed Jim Belushi a yeah. lot. So they so Danny's lost. Yeah. Like he's he's just Does doesn't know what to do. Thing. And we can tell the passage of time obviously because they broke up on New Year's Eve and then now we're jumping to um St. Patrick's Day. Correct? Yeah. And everybody's at Mother's mm-hmm. and everybody's commenting on how do you feel being at Mother's Deb because you know this is where Danny kind kind of hangs out, and then Danny comes in and tries to tell Deb that he loves her, and he's you know they go out in the rain, and the rain is the fakest rain I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, um, it's like pouring down rain, and she and this is the this is the scene that I was always kind of envious of because I don't think I've I mean I've definitely broken up with people, but the ability to be like no yeah you you know you've got somebody saying to you. I, cause it's not like, I mean, he was awful to her in many ways. Don't get me wrong, but he's also saying I was wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry. I love you. And she loves him. Yeah. But she's like, no. Yeah. And, and I really, as someone at that time who was so Soon lost, you did that with me. I did, but you didn't love me. So like you weren't saying, Hey, I love you. I want to come be with you. You were saying, let's still hang out and be friends. Yeah. And I'm like, no, yeah, right. this isn't fun anymore. So you weren't trying to get me back. You were just trying to stay neutral. Right. And so it was easy for me to easy. It was not easy, but it was, it was very clean cut for me to say goodbye right. because this isn't fun anymore. So, but she was like, no, I don't want to be with you. And so it jump starts. That's the point where Danny matures yeah. because he decides to open the diner, quit quit his job, find himself, and eventually we get to the end. Yeah, the softball scene. Softball scene. And he, um, they are walking their bikes or riding their bikes, the two girls, and it's, I feel like it's, we're supposed to believe like a whole year has gone by when it's probably more like six months. Don't you think? No, it's been a whole year. You think it's been mm-hmm. a whole year? Because they met during the end of softball spring. That's season. That's true. Spring to spring. And it's spring. Yeah. That's true. So the, and so she and Joan are riding their bikes. And Joan, we this, one of the scenes we missed is where Deb basically says to Joan, you were a bad friend. And right. Joan says, I know. Yeah. So then Joan says, you know, you can either keep blaming me or you can go down there and start blaming yourself. And so she, Deb and Dan have a great discussion. They do. And um, then... Bernie says, go, go get her. And he runs after her. Yeah. And riding, then they play. Riding off into the sunset. They play the John Waite song. That's right. Good old John Waite. John Waite didn't have a lot of hits. He had a few. I'll be missing you. Is it missing you? Is that what it missing is? Missing you. And then this one. And then the song Change. Yeah. Everybody loves each other, Dave. Oh, such a great ending. When you 
Um, so let's start with the All most right. obvious unanswerable question. Let's hear it. How long until they break up, assuming they break up? You know, I don't know if they'll break up. I think that it, in a lot of—I think the reason why the movie is, it, you know, why it's like a four-star movie to Roger Ebert is it's hopeful. Mm-hmm. I think they've matured. I think they have recognized who they are. I, I'm not like, oh, they're going to get married forever. But it, they are like—I think they see things they didn't see before. Um, I'm not convinced of either thing. Okay. I could obviously see them breaking up. And I could, you know, the romantic one in me wants to believe that they make it. Okay. Um, Sweetie, did you have a romantic one in you? Of course. All right. I good. think we all do. Good. Um, random question. Let's hear it. Jim Belushi. Has yeah. he ever been this funny? <laughs> like, I feel like... Um, he was on SNL for a while. I know, but he, this this is like his best work, and I can't even think of what comes second, yeah. because everything else is whatever, average. He did this on stage too. He was yeah. in sex, sexual perversity in Chicago. Did you read that John Belushi was supposed to be in this movie? Uh, yes. And it was supposed to be with John and, and Dan, Dan Aykroyd. Aykroyd. And Jim was like, no, because he didn't want the comparisons. Um, next question. Yes. No meeting on the removal of the sex beanbag. Right? Yeah. Let's have a talk about it instead of just so throwing Deb, it out in the trash. Deb throws away... Dan's beanbag and yeah. doesn't really ask yeah. and she's moving into his place now not that I think the beanbag is so beautiful mm-hmm. but you know maybe you know I remember when Todd and I moved in together Todd had a lot of beer signs oh yeah and he had a lot of flags okay still and, have some somewhere <laughs> I don't see him here though so I was like could we maybe remove a few flags mm-hmm. um we kept the Chicago flag and could we put maybe put a beer sign downstairs or in the other room um so, you know you got to have some compromise yes um, I talked about how long until they break up. A few quotes I wanted to share Let's that hear. I'll just do. You bang albino? <laughs> and the next one is pull this leg and it plays Jingle Bells. Um, I don't know if I played this on the podcast here. Who said it first? Was it before you came or after? Right. That was, yeah. Um, and then one of my favorite lines is when she walks in and she's got the nice, pretty Danny's Place sign. Yeah. She's like being really sweet. And I know what he says. Can I tell you? Sure. Hey, honey, can you clean up some of this shit? Sweetie, next time you come home, I'm going to say, you know what, honey? <laughs> can you clean up some of this shit? I love that line. She's like, okay. okay. And she handles it beautifully. <laughs> I know. So if you were to like rank um, from the most conscious to the least conscious of the four main characters, uh-huh. um, I think you and I will probably agree. Deb. I think Deb is the mm-hmm. most conscious. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Danny. And then Danny. And then Joan. Joan, Joan and Bernie kind of are in Tied the same for zone for different <laughs> reasons. <laughs> like Bernie is the most Neanderthal type yeah. and his humor is crass and misogynistic. But Joan is not very kind. No, she's not. Um, uh, just a few random takes. Okay. Um when Danny's like, no secrets, you see, what you see is what you get. Baloney. Baloney. Mm-hmm. He's shut down. And and that's such a man thing to say. Yeah. Sorry, but what you see is what you get. And it's yeah. like, no, because you're not telling me anything and you're hiding things and it's obvious. Yeah. Especially at that age. Um, when they break up, he says, I don't want marriage. I don't want kids. Right. And my response is, no shit. You're 24. I know. And some people have Right. Some people are married. Just mm-hmm. not me. Mm-hmm. Um, quit stalking, Danny. Well, and hold on. When he says, I don't want marriage, I don't want kids, that's also a blow because about 15 minutes prior to that, she had thought she was pregnant. And yeah. she was kind of sad that she wasn't. But she wasn't trying to get pregnant. It wasn't that kind of thing. It's just she had a moment where she's like, I love this guy and this wouldn't be the worst thing, but he doesn't want that. Um, the only other thing I have, sweetie, is 
just out of curiosity, do you know what the top movies of 1986 were? Gosh, I don't even know if I could. You'd yeah, have to like. It's, give, a, it's a tough. I don't know. Top Gun was the number one. Wait, what year was it? 1986. I know, but what I'm trying to think. What I graduated. Was I a freshman? Yes. So I was a freshman. Yeah. Um, I could think of the music that was popular, but Top Gun was number one. Crocodile Dundee. Okay. Platoon. Mm. Karate Kid Part Two. Okay. Uh, Aliens. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which we're oh. resisting from doing a pop culturing on. Another Chicago movie. Stand By Me, something we did do a we pop culturing on. Mm-hmm. The Color of Money, mm-hmm. which I love. Tom Cruise. And then some movie I've never heard of called An American Tale. I think that is the uh, mouse one. It's a it's a cartoon. Oh. And I think uh, it's interesting that Top Gun and The Color of Money came out the same year. Right? Two very different Tom Cruise. It was like, Top Gun feels to me like cocktail Tom Cruise. And the color of money feels to me like his more like what's another movie that he did like that like uh, Magnolia Tom Cruise mm-hmm. like he he kind of had two different versions of himself. Right. Um, so can I give you trivia? Sure, please. Okay, so I think you're gonna like do great here. Okay, I hope so. So what is the name of Debbie's boss? Steve. Steve Carlson. Oh my god. They didn't even give the last name. When Danny asked Debbie... By the way, Steve Carlson is the prince, the assistant principal in one of the best movies ever made, Summer School, yeah. with Mark Harmon. And Kirstie Alley. So Kirstie Todd Alley. and I debate Summer School because I don't think it's a great movie. It's just for the record, if we were to poll 100 people, most people would say it's a bad movie. I'm just telling you yeah. it's a good movie. And But the, the funny thing is, is because I am married to Todd, when it is on, he puts it on, so I've been forced to watch it. Love it. 80 times. So I know the whole thing. Um, When Danny asked Debbie if she ever slept with her boss, what was her response? No, Dan, we were bowling partners. Correct. What did Debbie and Joan... And then he says, oh, now you see him every goddamn day? (laughs) This is great. This is great. He's so... He's so jealous. Oh, and what is he's possessive. He's getting yes, possessive. This he is, is you are my property. Yes. You are not allowed to have sexual partners before, right. even though I didn't even know you. Right. Right. It's just so messed up. I know. I was just telling Todd a story, you know, that there's a new Hulu documentary out about Brooke Shields. And um, I just watched it. It's really good. I think it gives us a lot of information to discuss as far as our culture and uh, misogyny and all that type of thing. Um and children being sexualized. But one of the stories she tells is that when she was on Friends, um, she, you know, the scene that she has with Joey, she licks his hands. If you guys remember, it was the Super Bowl episode where she's like a crazy, um, she's stalking him. She thinks he's real, that Dr. Drake Moore is real. And her, she was married to, or with Andre Agassi at the time. And he watched the scene. He was there watching her film and he was so mad that he left and he said, I'm so embarrassed. You're my girlfriend. Everyone's laughing at me. And he went home and destroyed all of his tennis trophies, like his Wimbledon trophy. So, um, Andre, That's possessiveness. So Andre, if you're listening, yes, I'm sure he is. There's this thing called acting yeah, and writing, right? Somebody wrote words on a page or on yes. a screen. Your wife at the time was instructed to act as if she is that character mm-hmm. and settle down. And nobody is anybody's. Do you know what I mean? When Truth. we're like possessiveness, like... Even though we say, do you take this man, do you take this woman to be your wife? Like, that's very possessive in a traditional wedding ceremony I thing. I guess so. I guess, I mean... It's messed up. We can debate all this. It's just when we think that someone should only... It, well, okay, sorry. We're, we're talking like it's the 1980s. Like, hopefully we've gotten beyond this. So here's more. 
Um, what did Debbie and Joan do as they were cleaning up Thanksgiving dinner that Debbie said Danny Smoked didn't a like? Joint. Yes. What is the name of the woman that works with Danny who wants to sleep with him? Uh, Carmen? Yes. Todd, you're doing well. Thank you. What is the name of the diner that Danny's friend owns? That swallow. He's for, the swallow. A dodo bird. You know what a swallow is? It's a it's a loser. It's a dodo. It's a dodo like bird. That. What did Joan's boyfriend, why did Joan's boyfriend dump her on New Year's Eve? He's married. Yeah, he's going back to his wife. These are good. These are easy. I know. What color were the menus in Danny's new pink. restaurant? Yes. Because, of course, Bernie points it out. Yeah. He's like, pink, pink menus? menu. What position is Danny playing on the softball Second base. team? Jeez, you're doing great. On what holiday did Danny and Debbie break up? We already said. Uh, New Year's. How did the movie end? Uh, walking up in the sunset, going down towards the Standard Oil building. Yep. Debbie rides off on her bike and Dan runs after her. Yes. Good job, Todd. Thank you, baby. Um, anything else that we didn't talk about? Um, let's see. I think I I think I think we got it. I mean, I'm just gonna kind of look through some of the things that I wrote down. Oh, you know what I will say on an ending note? Um, is the clothes. Uh, oh yeah, we can I mean, talk about the wardrobe. Okay. So I wore those clothes, which is why it makes me laugh because the oversized clothes that we wore in college and that we like, it was baggy clothes. And we got the outfits that we often wore were like stirrup pants and then like a big shirt belted. And, and these are the clothes that Demi Moore wears all through the movie. And, and it just looks so uncomfortable and so difficult. Like everything seems so, you know, shoulder pads, all these things that make, I just don't know how we lived, yeah. like how we got through that. Because I wore stuff like that too. There's some sweaters that she wears in this movie that are unbelievable. Yeah, She has this sweater dress that she wears to the holiday party that I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Um, and then the guys, it's pretty traditional except the um, the sweater vest that, or it's oh, yeah. not a vest. It's, it's like got a, a sweater V-neck on, sweater. but it's like a supersized <laughs> on steroids V-neck. And it comes down to his, like his belly button. <laughs> And he wears it in like a few scenes. What's going on there, Dan? I know. So um, let's see if there's anything else I want to say. Well, you know, one other person that was in this movie that I didn't know and I still can't find, I, I still can't find the scene, but Catherine Keener's in this movie as, yeah. a, as a cocktail waitress. Do you remember what scene she's no in? Idea. So she's just another fave of mine. Um, I love Catherine Keener. And you know what, Todd? I was talking before about... Oh, no, I was talking about The 40-Year-Old Virgin with something else. But Catherine Keener's in The 40-Year-Old Virgin. I loved a movie she was in in the 90s called Walking and Talking. She's in Being John Malkovich. Obviously, she's in Get Out, which made her more scary. Um, But she's a fave from the 90s, too. So I think that's it. All right. If you have any suggestions on uh, another movie or TV show you'd like Kathy and I to cover, just shoot me an email at uh, Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. Can you send us out by not playing the pop culturing theme, but by playing one of these songs from this movie? Sure. Which song? Um, Maybe the end song. Maybe the John Waite song. Oh, that's easy because I'm already at that yeah, spot. Yeah. So just kind of. There we go. Thanks for listening, everybody. About last night, everybody. Go watch it. Keep trucking. Keep trucking.